0: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Bram Hilsman, host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast. During our conversation, we fielded readers pressing questions about everything from Jeremy Lin's NBA potential to Golden State's roster building. Bram, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. We're, uh, we're talking on a Thursday morning. Um, full disclosure i am in my car uh, with my laptop in front of me uh you know cohabitating with the significant other sometimes you gotta you know make concessions so uh, the the significant other is on a on a work call so i have to uh, i have to go come to the to the car but hey bram we've we've done these many times where like you're literally in traffic going over the bay bridge and we're doing a call we've done we've done it from all sorts of uh locations so this is just you know adding to the the color of the show right
1: i like details like this and this is my own big reveal so let the record reflect connor and i have been talking i don't know 6 7 minutes before we hit record it's not like we just hopped up on here but i haven't yet told him this connor i am in a car as well i i literally just pulled over i was driving to sf i was hoping to get here before we hit record and i was literally not going to tell you this but i figured you know it's entertaining now so i'll tell you i just pulled over we do have something in common
0: nice so we'll call this the car pod um i uh i wanted to uh i wanted to do another warriors mailbag podcast um there's just i think i know we've done a lot of these lately but i think it's really important to engage the audience especially when you're it's been such a weird season. There's been so many ups and downs. There's legitimate questions. I don't, I don't think you have more questions than when you're dealing with a team that's around 500 because there's good things to talk about and there's bad things to talk about. Whereas, you know, the 73 win season, a lot of those dynasty years, there weren't that many pressing questions. You know, it's just like, they're really good. Uh, What else do you say? You know, uh, I was trying to find these niche features because I was, there was I was running out of basketball things to say because it was a monotonously great. Uh, whereas last season is the opposite of that, where, you know, I'm running out of basketball things to say because it was monotonously bad. So uh, in some ways, we're kind of in the sweet spot this season. And and this has been a fun team to follow, um, even though their record is only a couple of games above five hundred. Uh, and they have yet to win three games in a row. They actually have the chance to do that for the first time Friday in Orlando. Um, they've showed a lot of resilience. They've dealt with some really difficult circumstances. Um, yesterday, I thought, was one of the greatest examples of that um, against a Heat team that was in the finals during the Orlando bubble. They went out, they dug a 19 point hole in the first half without Draymond Green and without anyone taller than six foot seven starting Juan Descato Anderson, a two-way contract player at center, everyone just thought the game was over. And then they're, they're able to claw back in that fourth quarter, force it to overtime, and win the game relatively convincingly down the stretch. What would you think watching that game?
1: Well, I can't tell you how many times I gave up, first and foremost. And I also think it is the most impressive win at Chase Center. And by far, although that's not saying so much, since last night, or I'm sorry, since last year was so uh, so crappy, but I, I want to follow up before we really dig in to last night's win on how exciting this year has been, and it's kind of standing on the shoulders of the take that you just offered. The similarity between the five years during the dynastic run and last year when they were one of the worst teams in the league is that through all six of those years, the regular season didn't mean anything. You know, when they were speeding towards the finals, we didn't pay attention to the first 82 because we just cared about the final 16. And then last year, when they were going through a lost season, we just wanted to speed towards the draft. Each one of the regular season games were a waste of time. The cool thing about this year is the regular season's back, man. Each one of these games gives us a little snapshot, something else to watch. And last night, perfect example. You know, we got to see how this team could do without Draymond. We got to see how they would deal with adversity yet again. And it was a lot of fun, man. And to pick up on last night, the thing that I think I enjoyed the most, and there was a lot of them, is watching how many things you can take away from Steph Curry and still have him be successful. You can take away his backcourt. You can take away Draymond Green. Connor, you can even take away his three-point shot. He couldn't hit anything for three quarters, and even if you take all that away, he is still able to succeed at the end of the day. So no, I know I had a great time last night.
0: Yeah, he was three for sixteen through the first three quarters from three, um, which is was the worst shooting percentage from three he's ever had through three th- through three quarters. Um, but yeah, the thing about Steph is you can never count him out. Um, it feels like I've seen so many times where he'll have kind of a rough game. And then when it really matters, he'll turn it on and hit crucial shots, which was exactly what he did last night. Um, And, you know, he, he, the thing that is really nice is that he's, he's finding ways to be effective even when he, his shot isn't going down. I've been so impressed with his leadership, his ability to, to make sure guys are getting in the right spots, finding guys. Um, Even though Draymond, when he's healthy, has been kind of the point center uh, and been probably their best playmaker. Steph is still a great playmaker in his own right. He can really do it all at this point. He's even been good defensively this year. I mean, like that's been the biggest knock on him in his career is he's not a great defender. He's been legitimately above average defensively, which is huge, a huge feat for someone who has so much to worry about offensively and isn't especially athletic, at least in the traditional sense. Um, And then, you know, one fun thing about this season has been watching these, these lesser known guys, these complimentary pieces step up, for you know, from game to game. You know, uh, Juan Descano Anderson has been a huge storyline coming from relative obscurity to, you know, signing a two-way contract to now being their starting center last night and being a key part of the rotation and providing an emotional lift and energy and knocking down shots. Uh, I've been so impressed with what he's done. And then last night, Kent Bazemore, you know, a guy who was out of the rotation to start the season, comes out, scores, you know, 20 I believe it was 26 points last night on really efficient shooting, timely shots in overtime. Um, what have you thought about just all these these kind of lesser-known guys stepping up?
1: It's another shiny portion of the year I'm enjoying way more than I thought. Um, Kent Bazemore is a perfect example of last night so I mean he he when I looked at the box score I was shocked to see he had as many as he did you know I don't associate Bazemore with you know plus 20 scoring but his contributions across the board especially late in the fourth and, and into overtime were just a godsend and incredibly uh, important and the same thing for both Mulder and Juan T which is my new nickname for him by the way I'm stealing that from Draymond um, so I mean I, I if let's at least point out the obvious when they hopefully get back to title contention when they welcome back Clay and Wiseman and maybe the Minnesota pick next year the experience that Juan Toscano Anderson that Molder, that all of these guys are getting right now and if, if Bazemore is there next year him as well should hopefully really pay off that they're getting these kind of minutes and this kind of exposure, you know, we, we might see some upsides for it next year. But I also, before we get too far away from the Steph thing, I have a worry about Steph. And it's a weird way to phrase it, but I want to throw it out there. Connor, I am worried that Warrior fans are taking for granted what's happening right now. You know, going into last night, I know that he, he finally dipped beneath 50%, so it's no longer true. But going into last night, Steph had done something that only Michael Jordan had done before. He had had averaged more than 25 points for 10 straight games on 50% shooting. Michael Jordan, Connor. What we are watching right now is beyond historical. We're talking, you know, one of the greatest uh, seasons that we have watched unfold. We're not going to be able to enjoy this, you know, every single year. And what I would say is if you are a Warrior fan, don't take this for granted make sure that you understand what's unfolding in front of us and bask in it because it's not going to be here forever the same way you may have taken some of those finals ones for granted towards the end because we had gone through them you know don't do that with this guy's brilliance uh fast forward a few years and we're not going to have it in our life anymore
0: yeah uh (laughs) but I did talk to his trainer the other day and he said there's about five to seven more years to peak stuff ahead of us, which is, which is, nice. uh, he said that he's not, he hasn't even reached his peak yet. Um, he's still got a couple of years before he's even at the heart of his prime. He said that he's physically where most players are at when they're 27, he's there at almost 33, uh, because he is a physical late bloomer, uh, because, because of all those things. But, it's insane. Uh, I Tell still me more about that. Wait, why he's wait. not getting more talk in the in the MVP discussion. His numbers are among the greatest ever for a season so far. Um, they rival what he did in the unanimous MVP season, which is largely considered – widely considered the greatest offensive season in NBA history. Um, no, he's been incredible. Um, they just need – they need more consistency from the rest of the guys. Steph's doing everything he can. Um, I think Friday against Orlando will be really important, just to to get that third win in a row for the first time in the season, more than a third of the way through the season. Um, hopefully, that can be the start of something special. I think it's doable. Orlando's not very good. The Warriors have been playing better. Um, hopefully, Draymond will be back. You could even have James Wiseman back by then. Um, so that'll be big. But I do want to get into some of these mailbag questions. I mean, I feel like we've gone. <laughs> down some rabbit holes which i'm cool with because you I love can't tease kind of rabbit me you can't them, tease
1: me hold on i need to hear more about the stuff is just getting into his prime stuff I, if nothing else explain to me what you meant by the the physical late bloomer so the the trainer is saying literally although steph's age is higher his body is has has not aged to that point i i just want to know more about it so that yeah i, I mean the so you
0: know when and you know i know you're i don't want to give away your age but you're older than steph and i'm i'm in my 30s now too and and uh <laughs> you just made you, it seem
1: like i'm like 75 i appreciate that i am in fact <laughs> you're older so than that, 33 is record. my point yeah, okay. Uh actually i can
0: and he, uh, you know, your, your body starts to change and you, it gets harder to, to add muscle. It gets harder to do, to do the same sort of uh, sprinting and, and measurables that you had before. Um, but he is sp- setting personal records in every sort of fitness test that you can imagine. Um, his strength is at an all-time high. His lateral quickness is at an all-time high. His vertical leap is at an all-time high. All of those things. Um, And he's he's getting better, like physically in a in a quantifiable way beyond just the actual stats, just from a physical standpoint, he's getting better. He feels the best he's ever felt. I think that long layoff with the, the hand injury helped. And then obviously COVID having even more time, they were able they were able to get super granular in what they did in terms of, you know, the workouts and those things. Um, it wasn't just maintenance. It was actually getting better. Um, and so you're seeing that all pay off right now. And and it couldn't have come at a better time for the Warriors when they, they are relying on him as heavily as they ever have. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a guy who I think can play until he's 40. He's talked about playing until 40. I think he can do that if he wants to. Um, I I'm not saying he's going to be putting up these kind of numbers when he's 40, but I think he could be a good NBA player at 40, um, and I think he's going to be an MVP caliber player for at least another, another several years, which is, which really is huge for the Warriors long-term outlook. I, I, I think, you know, this team is Steph, everything goes back to him. So his, how long he extends his prime is the same thing as how big the Warriors window is because the That's- other core players on this team are younger than him. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Now I'm going to throw Andrew Wiggins in there. Um, they're all younger than Steph. So I actually think that Steph might be, you know, closer to his peak in three four years than Draymond is in two years, even though Steph is several years older than Draymond. We'll have more of my conversation with Bram Hilsman right after the break. I do want to jump into these mailbag questions. Uh, the first one is from... Underscore bk underscore Chino. How much does Jeremy Lin's back soreness late pull affect the chances of an NBA team? Um, he he's referencing the fact that Jeremy Lin was pulled uh, right before yesterday's G League game against Canton with back soreness, um, which was unfortunate because he had played super well in the in Santa Cruz's first four games, put up really nice numbers was kind of easing a lot of concerns front offices had about him. Um, He was, he was making an impact on the game beyond just the scoring. He was, he was more of a true point guard and was playing better defense and just looked kind of at peace with his game and had some really impressive stat lines in that four game stretch Um, was getting a ton of buzz. Um, I, I, it sounded to me like he was on the verge of putting himself in a position to at least get a 10, 10 day contract from someone um, I don't know if that would be the Warriors. Keep in mind, he's not an assignment player, so that means that he can sign with any team. Uh, the Warriors actually have no special ties to him beyond the fact that he plays for Santa Cruz. They, because he plays for Santa Cruz doesn't mean that they, like, get first priority to sign him or something. That's that's not how it works. He can sign with whoever he wants, uh, and so... Uh, I I still think it's unlikely he plays for the Warriors for Golden State um, at any point this season, just given their their backcourt situation. But I do think he's putting himself in a position to get another crack at the NBA. Um, And but I thought that as minor as it might have seemed being pulled right before a game because of back soreness, it was a setback for him because one of the biggest things he needed to show this season in the G League was that he can stay healthy because really the biggest reason why he's out of the NBA is for health reasons. He had several serious injuries. Um, he missed an entire season at one point. Um, and, you know, he never, he never got back to that same player, at least while he was in the NBA and he, he was playing cautiously and tentatively. And so NBA front offices wanted to see that he could stay healthy and he could play with that same sort of aggressiveness and kind of killer instinct that defined his Linsanity uh, streak when he was with uh, when he was with the Knicks back in 2012 um, so I do think that's a setback for him um, what, you know what have you thought just following along and seeing how much buzz Jeremy Lin is getting I will tell you that I've written two stories about Jeremy Lin in the past couple weeks and they have been probably my two most read stories in those two weeks I mean he just everything about him just catches fire globally
1: um, I will tell you that I got worried when we first started this, that your follow-up question was going to be, Bram, you're hell of old. How do you know about back soreness? And is this a really big concern? So I'm, I'm just happy that we didn't necessarily go in that direction. Um, I, I, this is a weird way to answer this, but I think that Warrior fans' interest in Jeremy Lin right now has more to do with our concern with Brad Wanamaker than it has to do with you know how much of a contribution Lynn can make um, great story, you know, former warrior, by the way, You know, he, before Lynn's sanity, he spent a little bit of time here in golden state. I would welcome him here in open arms, but I, I think with the real concern and the reason why your stories are getting so many hits is because the warriors right now have a backup point guard problem um, over the past week or so. Wanamaker has looked a little bit better. He had some contributions last night, but I can't imagine that he is doing all the things that the front office hoped he was going to do. He's not even doing all the things he did in Boston last year. So that's the concern, right? I don't know a whole lot about him. I haven't watched him in the G League. I didn't watch him overseas. I'm not sure where he is. But you know, count me among the people who are a little worried about Wanamaker and do want to know more about what Jeremy can do, because maybe, maybe he's an answer there.
0: Yeah, I I think it's understandable that people have been really down on Wanamaker. I think people have a tendency to look at someone's shooting percentages and if they're not good, just dismiss that player and say, oh, he sucks. Uh, But when you're talking about someone who doesn't play a ton of minutes, he's averaging 16 minutes per game in a bench role. I don't think the shooting percentages matter as much as you might assume because, He's not shooting a lot. Um, he's only shooting four times a game. And when you're not shooting a lot, um, if you're not shooting well, it doesn't actually hurt the team that much. Right. Um, and so I still think he's finding ways to be effective. Uh, he's, you know, he's been a plus defensively. I think um, he's, he's uh, he, the my biggest concern is actually not the shooting, but his passing is not, elite for a backup point guard and it actually never has been. Um but he's been kind of a stabilizing presence. I think he helps him get in his sets. Look like he hasn't been great, but I don't think he's been awful. Um, if you look at his plus minus and and those kind of deeper analytics, he's he's he he they're not noticeably worse when he's on the floor. Um I'm I, I don't see them parting with him because I don't see them being able to like unload him without attaching a pick right now. His stock is not high and I'm just not sure it's worth messing with the rotation in a major way uh, or and potentially taking on more salary just to give Jeremy Lin a flyer. You know, um, sure. the thing is Jeremy Lin, there's a reason why he's not in the NBA right now. You know, he didn't play well in the end of his NBA career. Um, he even there are even questions about what he did in China. Uh, he put up numbers, but he wasn't super efficient there, given the level of competition and stuff. So, um, you know, I did a big piece on him a few weeks ago, and he, he talked a lot about how he was in the greatest place mentally he's ever been and he's actually gone through therapy and, you know, all these things and I think that's that's helpful. But um, I just am not – I'm not sure it's worth the salary cap gymnastics and everything that you would have to do to, to make that happen um, when it's not ultimately probably going to change your bottom line in terms of what's going to happen with this team this season. Also, <clears throat> I've actually been really impressed with Nico Mannion, the limited minutes we've seen from him in the NBA. He's, he's been a little up and down in the G League, but I think he's shown enough to warrant some, some backup – uh, point guard minutes with Golden State when he's able to come back to the NBA. And so I would actually rather see Nico Mannion get some of some of Brad Wanamaker's minutes than Jeremy Lynn. Um, and I know that's not a popular opinion because just there's this fascination around Jeremy Lynn and people want to see him. And I get that. But uh, I think that you should invest in the guy who you actually drafted. Um, so that's, that's where I stand on that. Well, Jordan Poole just had a 32 spot in the G League as well, right? Yeah, and he can um, be a secondary it. ball handler too. So yeah, maybe right. you want to give him minutes, you know, running the, the point a little bit too. And keep in mind, they they have a point center in, in, in Draymond. So there's only there's only so many minutes to go around in terms of actually facilitating the offense. Um, our next question is from at Amoa underscore Tawahia. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry that these pronunciations are out of whack, but I have no idea how to pronounce half of these. Um, and the question I'm really is,
1: surprised you took a question from ones you couldn't pronounce. Anytime on our podcast, if there's a question from someone who I'm like worried about how to pronounce it, I just bang it. It could be the greatest question on earth, but I'm so worried about screwing over the person who asked it. I, I just avoid them. So I, I think you probably just hurt some feelings, Connor, and you should feel I mean, bad about it.
0: The, the thing is, um, I. I if I if I didn't answer all the questions that I don't know how to pronounce the, their handle I wouldn't have any questions to answer. So, um, the the question is: The Warriors have the Timberwolves' protected draft pick. As the Wolves are in last place in the rankings right now, what are the chances that the Warriors would be able to obtain the draft pick? Um, so, the, it's a top three protected pick in twenty twenty one. If if the pick ends up falling outside of the top three the Warriors can draft in 2021, which is going to be a loaded draft. We've talked about that on the pod. There's a bunch of potential franchise guys in this draft, um, uh, maybe a half dozen or so. So if you're drafting at four or five, you have a good chance of getting a potential franchise building block. Uh, You know, a Jalen Green, a Jonathan Kaminga, a Jalen Suggs, a Cade Cunningham. All these are names that are going to be in the mix in the top five. and but if the, if the Warriors do not get, you know, if, if the pick falls in the top three range, which is very possible given that the Timberwolves have the worst record in the NBA right now, uh, the Warriors will have to pick in the 2022 draft. They'll get an unprotected first round pick in the 2022 draft, which is still a ways away, but from what I'm hearing is not nearly as strong as this 2021 draft. So that would be a disappointment. Um, but the thing that, people should be thankful for if you're a Warriors fan is just the way the draft lottery is set up because in other leagues, if you're the worst team, you get the number one pick, right? Well, in this league, uh, you only get a 14% chance at the number one pick if you have the worst record in the NBA. Um, And I'm looking at the specific odds here right now of, 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 if Minnesota finishes with the worst record in the NBA, will have a 40% chance of finishing in the top three of drafting in the top three. And they'll have a 60% chance of drafting fourth or fifth. So they'll have a 11.9% chance of drafting fourth and a 47.9% chance of drafting fifth. So they'll, they'll have almost a 50% chance of drafting fifth. And if the Warriors got even the fifth pick, I think that would be a great situation the warriors they there there would be a guy there that you could come in and expect to play meaningful rotation minutes as a rookie and potentially have all star potential and so uh i think it's important to keep all this in mind if the warriors if the if the if minnesota finishes with um the worst record in some ways it's actually a best case scenario for the warriors because they still because they can't draft worse than fifth and they have a 60% chance of drafting fourth or fifth. Whereas if they draft of the second worst record, they can't draft worse than sixth. And if they have the third worst record, they can't draft worse than seventh, but they still have around the same odds of, of drafting outside the top three, if that makes sense. So um, you should be rooting for Minnesota to have the worst record in the NBA, which they're looking on track to do. They look absolutely awful. They're a mess. Danzel Russell, just, got injured again and is going to be outside for more weeks, which, you know, only helps the chances of Minnesota finishing with the worst record in the NBA. So I think you should be happy. I think you should be embracing Minnesota's misfortune. And look, if, if, uh, if they end up drafting the top three, it's not the end of the world. You'll, they're probably still going to be bad the the following season. So you'll probably get a really good draft pick. You might get the number one draft pick in 2022. So, This is still an amazing asset. I don't think they should part with it under almost any circumstances, unless we're talking about like a Giannis caliber player, which I don't see happening. So uh, it's important to keep all those things in mind. I think people assume, Oh my God, we're not going to get the picks. They have the worst record. That's not how it works.
1: Next to Steph's MVP candidacy. Minnesota's shitburger season is probably my favorite theme of this year, Connor. I am watching, like box score watching every single one of their games. Hate watching, rooting for their opponents. And I think you just helped fight through my confusion, but I got to make sure. So I am crazy math limited, man. And I've read a lot of the articles that you just kind of alluded to, and I've tried to figure this out, and the percentages always confuse me. So I'm just going to ask it as a straightforward question. If I am rooting for Minnesota to come in at a specific spot, you know, like, do I want them to be the fifth worst record? Do I want them to be the worst record? If I'm hearing you right, as a Warriors fan, what I want Minnesota to do is be the worst team in the league that gives us our best shot at coming out with a 2021 asset. Am I right?
0: It gives you the best shot of drafting between four and five. Yeah. Um, Okay. And, from what I can tell looking at this, uh, looking at this pick, uh, looking at this draft, there's about five guys who are, in my mind, almost surefire future all stars. Uh, there's about five. So if you're drafting that fifth, you're going to have a chance to get one of them. So that's a win. Um, you know, and uh, you know, if, if, they, if they have the second worst record. They have 11, you have an 11.9% chance at drafting fourth, 278 at fifth, and 20.1% at sixth. So you still have around the same percentage points of actually getting the pick, but you have a higher percent chance of drafting six as opposed to fifth or fourth. Is
1: Steph's dominance, let's put these conversational topics together. Um, so I'm with you. I agree with you. My general idea is hold on to this pick. I love the idea of blending two title windows together. We we see what Steph can do and then we fast forward in a few years, you know, 6 7 years and Wiseman and whoever the 4 or 5 pick next year if it actually lands with us then opens up another window. But Steph has been so good, man. You know, we just talked about historic 2015, you know, he's he is an MVP level. Does that change the analysis for you at all? Does that make you want to dangle either Wiseman or this pick and go all in for the next couple of years and and really take advantage of just how special Steph is?
0: That actually kind of feeds into our next question. So I'm going to actually just get into the next question real quick. It's from at Bushwood GC. Do you think the Warriors current record convinces management to go for this season? At 33, who knows how much more Pete Curry will see. Clay will never be fully back, and other West stars look fragile. It seems quite possible their chances look worse next year rather than better. Um, look, I think that's a very pessimistic outlook. <laughs> um, but I will say um, the bottom line is I think what you're asking is should the Warriors use the, the DPE this season? Should they do everything in their power to try to chase – relevance this season i am not ready to use the word title because i don't think there's a world where they could ever chase a title this season um look i've said this a million times i really believe it's all about next season okay it's all about next season when clay comes back you have potentially a top five pick from that 2021 draft a guy who i think is going to be a rotation caliber player as a rookie Um, you have james wiseman a year older you have you know, all these pieces, um, to me, at least on paper, that's a team that should be at least in the conversation to chase a Western commerce title and a potentially an NBA title. Um, I think you need to do everything in your power to put yourself in a position to succeed next season. This season, it's their ultimate record to me doesn't even matter that much. I mean, yes, if they make the playoffs, great. If they steal first round series, great. And it's great. Especially because it gives the young guys experience in high-profile, high-stakes games, but it's really all about development of the young guys and developing cohesion on this roster. Um, The 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 development of James Wiseman might be the most important thing. The continued uh, growth and and of maximum Steph in his mid thirties is huge. Um, Draymond settling into this phase of his career as like a a go-to defender and facilitator rather than much of a score i think all those things matter um but i don't think that you should mortgage your future in any way to achieve something this season you know i don't i don't think you should get rid of any draft assets i don't think you should part with any promising young guys to try to win now in the terms of in the sense of winning this season um now Kelly Oubre, I I got a couple questions today about Kelly Oubre and trading Kelly Oubre. And uh, I think there's a a growing sense within the fan base to not want to trade him now because he is playing so much better, which I was preaching all season. Like his numbers, he was not going to finish the season shooting 20% from three. The numbers are evening out. He's shooting much better. He looks comfortable out there. Doesn't change the fact that I don't think he's a fit. Long term, both from his standpoint and the Warriors' standpoint, he doesn't want to be a seventh, eighth man long term. That's what his role would be when Clay comes back. Even though he said he wants to stay long term, I think that's a little more PR than anything. I don't think he would actually want to be in that role. And so, um, I, I think that you should be open to if there is interest from like a, a playoff contending team to want to get better and chase a title this season. Uh, and, and they're interested in, in going after and giving a, a couple good assets for Kelly Oubre on a, an expiring contract. I think you look at that and consider that because I think it should be about building for next season. Um, and even if that hurts your chances of winning a playoff series this season, ultimately who really cares? Honestly, I, I and, and Damian Lee, you can do worse as a, a as a starting shooting guard, at starting shooting guard than Damian Lee, who's been lights out this season. Um, having the best year of his career. So um, yeah, that's where I stand on that.
1: There are teams out there right now this year that are figuring out exactly where they're going to fit into the NBA hierarchy. Um, There are people like Philly who are sitting at the top of the Eastern conference, but they're new to that. Right. And they're figuring out, are they going to stay there? And are they a real title contender? There are teams like Portland and Phoenix in the West who are at that four and five spot and right now kind of looking at the the Western landscape and seeing, are they going to stick there? There's even teams like the Nuggets, Denver, who are underachieving, but came in with real high aspirations and might want to test just how high they can go. Those teams, Connor? Yeah. Maximize this year. You know, what can you do? Put in future draft picks, bring somebody, you know, fire up. Um, the team and figure out exactly where you fit within this season. That's not where the Warriors are. Not this year. That's not their goals. So I am I am absolutely agreeing with you. There is no need to sacrifice any future assets to try to secure a what a, a you know a five seed a six seed. There, there's no upside to that. I say focus on the future. Uh, try to get as much experience as you can this year and keep as many assets in the cupboard as you possibly can.
0: Bram, thank you so much for joining me on the pod, man. It's, it's good to, it's good to hear your voice. You know, we, we, I, we obviously haven't gotten to see each other at all in a long time because of the pandemic, but I'm looking forward to the day where we can grab a beer and catch up.
1: Uh, absolutely. A, I would say completely successful car podcast. We should uh, we should record more often, man. But no, I miss you too. Let's hang out soon. And that was a lot of fun.
0: Our thanks to Bram Hilsman for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed chatting with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.